This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. As we grapple with the second wave, there's a big worry about the situation in long-term care. It is worsening and seems to be veering towards last spring's devastation. The number of cases in nursing homes has been increasing by about 8% a day. As of October the 20th, there were 216 active cases in long-term care, up from just five on September the 1st. And 86 homes have active outbreaks, up from 13 on September the 1st. And 60 residents, 60 people, 60 loved ones, have died of COVID-19 since the beginning of September. So what should we be doing? What should the government be doing that perhaps it is not doing? And on another note, the Centers for Disease Control clarified the criteria for what constitutes a close contact to a confirmed case, which should help people understand when they have to self-isolate. If you have questions or comments on all of this, if you have loved ones in long-term care you want to talk about, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I am joined by Dr. Tamara Daly, a York University professor and director of the University Center for Aging Research and Education, and Dr. Prabhat Jha, an epidemiologist and faculty member at the Dalalana School of Public Health at the U of T. Hello and welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Okay, let us start with Dr. Daly. How concerned about you about the numbers that we're seeing out of long-term care? Well, I've been concerned ever since the numbers began rising uh, in terms of community spread, because we know that when uh, COVID is rising in the community, that it will get into long-term care. I think the spring showed us that very much. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Judd, do you think that, uh, you know, that we were promised an iron ring? Do we have an iron ring around long-term care? I don't think we have an iron ring. Um, however, I think what we're seeing now is is uh, qualitatively different than what we saw in uh, in April, May, where effectively we had lots of clusters of cases in long-term care homes, along with community transmission, a lot of staff transmitting trans uh, cases within nursing homes, and therefore a big spike and a quick spike. This is what you've just described that the statistics are more of a slow burn, a concerning rise nonetheless, but certainly not the big increase that we saw so quickly hit us in uh, in April, May. Uh, Dr. Daly, do you agree with that? And, and is the difference that we're not getting as much transmission from staff or, or what? Well, I think it may, in fact, be too early to tell because we weren't testing at the same rate uh, in April and May, and we weren't also reporting uh, 
the um, distinction between long-term care and just in the broader community in the same way until a bit later. So I think it may, in fact, be too early to tell, uh, although I, I, uh, I take the point that was made. Uh, Dr. Jai, is there anything that we should be doing now before this gets any worse that we are not doing? Well, absolutely. And I think the big lesson from the first uh, April, May uh, peak was that the deaths are going to occur in the elder population. And 80% of all of the roughly 10,000 deaths from COVID in Canada have occurred in nursing home populations. So we know that that was just a a catastrophe that um, needs to be avoided. So what do we need to do? Well, first, we have to take the frontline workers um, and their protection seriously. So they're mostly all now using personal protective equipment, but there's still gaps that need to be filled. The testing among particularly nursing homes, I believe, continues to be inadequate. Uh, I think we should move to twice-weekly testing of all staff that are working in nursing homes. And now, on the other hand, the somewhat good news from this round is along with a slower increase, what we're observing are uh, cases in nursing homes, mostly driven by staff bringing in infections, not so much the visitors and, and family. And those are what we in epidemiologists say are not clusters, meaning you get one or two cases, but not a big outbreak like five or ten people are infected, as occurred in in April, May. So now that in turn relates to, well, where are the staff getting infected? We know that many long-term care staff work uh, very long hours, and they come from the neighborhoods, particularly in uh, Toronto or uh, surrounding areas that have highest rates. And they often will come from crowded houses. So these are socioeconomic circumstances of the nursing home staff that also need to be addressed to try to get them into uh, places where they're in less crowded conditions and have access to twice-weekly testing. Those things we should have done in the summer, we have not. And it's been a disappointment, I think, to Dr. Dalianda and myself and others. But it's still not too late. We should start doing that right away. Well, how how do we get them into change their living circumstances? I mean, they've gotten a small pay bump, which um, I think is over now anyway. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is uh, if you think about uh, how do you uh, identify networks or clusters uh, very sensibly if a long-term uh, care worker is living in a residence uh, with six other people who are also let's say, frontline workers, they're working in grocery uh, uh, clerks or uh, in other care homes, then we know immediately that's going to be at higher risk. So I believe there should be a review to say, well, what's needed to decrease basically household crowding for those populations? So providing subsidies. In in uh, Windsor, I believe they went as far as actually paying for hotels for some of the staff during their shifts so that they decreased isolation, uh, they were more isolated. So, but we haven't done that holistically for the whole of the nursing, nursing care staff. And people like Samir Sinha and Nathan Stahl and, and others have been arguing that we need to do so. And I believe that is a number one priority to protect our nursing homes because we know what happened last time and we can avoid it this time. Um, well, th- go ahead. 
I, I just wonder if I could respond to that. I, I think that we need to remember that uh, we have a very big province that we're living in. And the circumstances that PSWs find themselves in uh, dense urban settings is different from those who live in uh, outside in suburban settings as well as rural settings. So I think we need to remember that first and foremost. Second of all, I think it's uh, very important to say that a $3 an hour pay rise for this type of work is simply inadequate. And it doesn't actually meet the needs of this workforce uh, typically, they lack the sorts of health benefits that most people would associate with um, good good benefits and good uh, safety protections. Um, and as well, we're still seeing situations where the working conditions in terms of understaffing mean that uh, the staff themselves are being put at risk because the work itself is too rushed. So they have too much to do with too little time to do it. So I don't think that we can forget those kind of very important contextual factors. And some of these things can actually be dealt with at a structural uh, and a system level. Hmm. Uh, I, I want to ask about something that's kind of been bugging me, and that is in the last last spring, we know that what the province ended up doing, they were sort of stuffing the long-term care homes to clear space in the hospitals. This time, it almost seems like the opposite. There are still people in rooms with multiple people, but they're not allowing any new admissions to multiple rooms. And uh, they are sending patients from long-term care to hospitals, and we're seeing in hospitals uh, more alternate level of care patients who, who are there just because they don't have a nursing home to go to. Uh, is that concerning you, Dr. Joe? It is, but we have to remember this is in the context that uh, our healthcare system, at least for acute care, is always stretched. Uh, hallway medicine is something that, uh, unfortunately, we've gotten used to over uh, over time because it's it's the reality. Now, in that context, the efforts to try to say, okay, we're going to have less crowding in the in the rooms themselves. Uh, does mean that something's got to give. So you you see that the knock-on effect that a lot more elective procedures or uh, elective surgeries are being postponed or cancelled. So this uh, there's no easy fix here, but I do agree with um, our other uh, columnist or other uh, speaker that we need a holistic solution. The conditions and the environment for long-term staff uh, long-term care staff to work productively and safely have not been met. Expanded testing, making sure that the uh, work conditions are there, ensuring that the nursing homes are accountable to really high professional standards of management are is all part of uh, what needs to be done. But because of the situation, we need to do all those very quickly. This isn't something you study for six months and then decide to do. We need to do stuff this week and next week to try to mitigate the risk. Right, and we're studying it for six months. Uh, very quickly, we are running out of time. The CDC released some new guidelines. So it used to be that you were considered to have been in close contact with a confirmed case if you were within six feet for 15 consecutive minutes. And now they're saying, well, actually, it's cumulative. It's If it's a few minutes here and a few minutes there, say with a, a colleague, uh, that's still counts. Uh, is is that a good clarification? I think you've, uh, I always think we should be a little bit careful about what are announcements that come out without 
really understanding the context. The big source of transmission remains crowded indoor places, particularly with poor ventilation and lots of people mingling without masks. So think of crowded bars or downstairs parties. And in that context, yes, whether you're exposed for 15 minutes or for uh, for one hour and so forth, it's still a risk situation. So I would hope the focus would be more on what are the really risky places and circumstances of transmission. This idea that it's 15 minutes cumulatively and so forth just seems like splitting hairs when we're, it's it's a missed opportunity to communicate to the public what's really important, which is avoid closed indoor spaces with without masks and a lot of people crowding and that's that message needs to get out dr daly well and i think what had had been happening is they were using the 15 minute threshold as a way of not testing some individuals right so it was a way of screening and i think that when we put in place protocols for screening we have to understand what's behind that so is the intent here to prevent too many, uh, too much testing because there's not enough testing capacity, or is the intent really to um, meet a scientific threshold for uh, what real exposure is like? And I think that uh, what what this was about was to uh, prevent too much testing, and so I think that those two things go hand in hand, and we need to be very careful as uh, as was already mentioned about how we take these things up. Context is everything here. Okay. Uh, We've got to wrap things up. I'm going to give you 20 seconds each on the long-term care situation. What do you hope to see in the next week or so? Test, test, test. Increase the testing of all long-term care staff to at least twice a week. Dr. Daly? And I think that there should be continual support around the proper donning and doffing of personal protective equipment, as well as continual checking to make sure that there are sufficient supplies available. Okay. On that note, we'll wrap things up. Thank you so much, Dr. Tamara Daly and Prabhat Jha. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.